Whatever. Yeah. It's just money. That's all. The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast that explores the many pathways to an aviation profession, the challenges that a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, a professional airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. Welcome aboard Flight 99 of the Squawk Ident podcast, recorded on Friday, January 7th, 2022. From the mobile Aviator Sound Studios high atop the seventh floor of the Delta Buena Vista Hotel in sunny Orlando, Florida. On today's flight, Captain Roger, Rob D., and I discuss flying during this season's holidays, the dangers of riding in hotel vans, a real-life catch-me-if-you-can incident, and United's pilot development program. We also discuss de-icing, what the triangle logo indicates in the cabin, and taking off from a closed airport with ATC clearance, of course. We also update you on the progress of 19-year-old Belgium pilot Zara Rutherford and her attempt to be the youngest woman to fly solo around the world. So stay with us as Flight 99 is getting ready to depart. Before we push off the gate, I wanted to again thank Alex Daigle for the adventure we shared on Flight 98, 5G and Discovery Flights. Thanks again, Alex. Now that our pre-flight is complete, let's get ready to push off the gate and start those virtual podcast engines. Flight 99 of the Squawk Ident Podcast is officially underway. Joining us on today's flight is an exceptional aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He is a professional CFI, double and MEI flight instructor, a former Embraer 145 airline pilot, a King Air instructor, a Falcon 900 and 2000 commander, a captain and a corporate operator as well. He joins us as he is recovering from the Flurona the latest variant that is sweeping the nation and airline crews everywhere. From his kitchen studio, from somewhere in San Diego, California, please help me in welcoming back to the show, Captain Roger. Captain, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right, Tony. Now, you know, maybe not quite as bad as you made it out to be. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just a common cold. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the flu rona definitely sounds more sexy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like a flu and they're labeling it the Flurona because... The, the flu and the coronavirus at the same time or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw somebody up in L.A. actually had that. You might want to watch out when you go home. Yeah, well, you know, I've been traveling this holiday season. I flew during the Christmas uh, week and Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, I was flying. Uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, I was flying. Uh, you name the state, I was probably in it de-icing and dealing with that and thunderstorms and rain and uh yeah uh and many states if you walk down the street and you have a mask on they look at you like you're crazy in california if you walk down the street and you don't have a mask on they look at you like you're crazy so it just depends on the state and the severity that of is, that's one of the fun i think one of the funny things about doing this job that we do is seeing over the course of now what over two years or two years now about how completely 
different it can be from going from state to state. Yeah. It's like the rule. Who, who knows what the rules are? You're flying from state to state. Everyone's got different rules and they look at you like you're crazy, depending on which state you're in. And, you know, just because you flew for an hour, it's, it's yeah. been a bizarre, a bizarre deal. Yeah. And the van drivers, that's who I ask. I'm like, okay, so what are the rules in the state? Uh, do I have to wear it indoors or outdoors or uh, what, 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 what's going on? And they usually give you the 411 on what's going on. And, and most people go, yeah, you're supposed to wear it indoors. Well, only if you're not vaccinated. And then the next city you're in, yeah, you're nobody cares. You don't have to wear it. And then the then the following yeah, city, I think it's oh, starting yeah. to get to the Everybody's back where people are just kind of over it. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are just caring a little bit less now. Yeah. Even in California too. Yeah. Yeah. And I caught a little bit of a head cold. It was not Florona. <laughs> it was just a little bit of a head cold the other day, and it kind of went through the family in the house um and it lasted literally 24 hours and of course now you can kind of hear my baritone voice and how it has affected me and i don't mind it one bit because on the radio i'm real sexy and when i'm talking at atc controllers you know what i'm saying and that i always a lot better than my nasally voice right now yeah well you know it affects people differently there roger <laughs> but you know also uh assisting us today i i i've gotta just break in and get this one going is Another superb aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He's a former international professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech and RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, commercial drone operator, and currently an Airbus pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Taking a break from all the overtime flying that he has amassed over the holiday travel blitz from his podcast studio high atop his castle from somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, Help us in welcoming back our very own Mr. Rob D. Rob, how you doing? Hey, what's up, fellas? I think uh, it feels like it's been almost a year since I saw you, or talked to you guys last. Uh, it was last year, as a matter uh, of fact. Yeah, it was 2021. Doing yeah. good. How yeah. you guys doing? Fantastic, man. Good. So you've been flying a lot. You've been have you been picking up uh, premium trips or what's going on? I've been I've I've been able to pick up a couple trips premium. Uh, which uh, helps with the, uh, you know, the Santa Claus bill, mm-hmm, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the boat yeah, bill. And the boat and bill. The boat well, bill. yeah, that that's already. And the RC uh, airplanes. But, but and... that helps with uh, keep things, you know, you know, put buy some accessories for the boat or something like that. And the college fund yeah, for two uh, young ladies. Yeah, I know. I know that. College is, is around the corner. As a matter of fact, we're headed to San Antonio next week. And we're going to tour Trinity University, which is uh, downtown San Antonio, nice. uh, which is a really nice college. So uh, they want they want my daughter to take a look at the school, possibly look at playing volleyball for them. So wow. uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Good luck to her. Um, you know, I, hope, I hope she can maintain that scholarship because uh, that makes a yeah. huge difference, especially for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like less, a private uh, school. Uh, <laughs> I don't it's not private. But it's probably, you know, ranks up there with uh, the same price tag. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and education is not getting cheaper. No, that's for it's sure. Not. I'm a few years behind you there, Rob, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Just about the time that we upgrade to captain, I think, will be like, oh, congratulations. Here's your captain pay. And yeah, there it goes yeah. out the window. <laughs> you're just, you're, yeah, you're just a mediator. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Oh, just a quick brief uh, recap. Since it's been a while since our last show, we had all this holiday flying. I too was in the in the midst of 
all this flying. For me, it wasn't uh, premium pay necessarily, but it was just rebookings, rescheduled, uh, off-schedule operations. I mean, we, we got a, and I'll probably say it for the next show because we were kind of tight on time because I have a, a van uh, time in, in under two hours. So this is going to be a kind of a tight show today. But um, yeah, I've got stories about, you know, Captain Write-Up. I flew with that guy. Um, and, uh, I had captain delay. Yep. Flew with that guy too. Everything was delayed. Um, just, you know, these things were just a series of events that kind of snowballed for us. Um, I never made it to a lot of my layovers that I was planning on going to, uh, the Des Moines layover, uh, although I like Des Moines, I was not, uh, in any way regretting not going because we were delayed, uh, because it was like minus four. Ooh, Fahrenheit. That's oh, cold. Now, I was like, no, okay, we, uh, we could just stay here. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up in Phoenix that night. Um, uh, hey, that's neither here nor there. But the last time we spoke, yeah. uh, Rob, you and I spoke with Pete Lindner on uh, Throwing Smoke. That was, what, episode 97, I think it was? And then that's episode okay. 98, 5G Discovery Flights with Alex Daigle. Uh, Roger, you and I uh, spoke on that one. Um, both shows were fantastic. I uh, loved having the conversation going with you guys and with our guests. Uh, and that's what this show is all about. Here we are on the eve of episode 100. Uh, every year at the beginning of the year, January, marks a new season for Squawk Ident. And this is show season four. So we've been on the air nice. since 2019. This is season four. Um, so really looking forward to the next episode and hopefully the next hundred after that. So thank you gentlemen for being a part of this, being a part of the conversation. Um, I can proudly say we're really starting to pick up with listenership. Um, I am now somewhat being recognized, at least within my own company of 15,000 pilots, uh, people go, hey, aren't you that podcast guy? <laughs> the other day in the crew room, I had a guy, wait a minute, you're that podcast guy? Now, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good. <laughs> we'll leave yeah. it at that until the conversation <laughs> comes up. Uh, but yeah, it's just been a pleasure to be able to do this and grow the show with you guys. I mean, I, I look back at some of our first episodes and I kind of cringe going, oh man, I didn't really have our stuff together. Uh, at least I didn't. Um, yeah. But now as we've grown and developed with the show, it's really been a pleasure and, and a labor of love for myself. And I know for you yeah. gentlemen as well. So thank you. Well, hats off to you, Tony. You, you, you do all the hard work over there. I think, uh, you know, I could, I know at least from my my uh, position, I'm just happy to be here, just you know, uh, providing content for you. Um, but you know, obviously, you do all the hard work, so uh, you know, job well done. Uh, I think yeah. all the uh, props go to you. We just show up and talk. <laughs> you know and what? Pretend like we know what we're talking about, and, and we don't. Yeah. Really Thank do you for showing up. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for showing up, and, and I'm sure our listeners uh, feel the same way. I had a long conversation with one of our listeners last night, actually, Alex uh, from the last show. Uh, we had a conversation. He was trying to catch up to all the episodes uh, because he kind of caught on to the podcast a little bit more than halfway through. And so he was listening to the current ones, but then he would go back and start from the beginning. And I was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and, uh, but he caught, up, he caught up. So he texted me last night. He goes, hey, man, I'm all caught up. When's the next show coming out? Hurry up. Chop, chop. <laughs> so here you go, Alex. Um, That's good, man. But, it's like, but let's it's like 
It's like binge watching a series on Netflix. He's listening to a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I suggested a few other podcasts that I know we all enjoy here on the Squawk I did podcast. I don't know if you see that t-shirt. Uh, we were, uh, <laughs> we're very happy to have our friends over there at some of the other, uh, pod aviation podcasts. And we all kind of, as podcasters, we all kind of, uh, coordinate and, uh, talk about our shows and how we can give suggestions to each other and give feedback. And, and I always appreciate when I get feedback as well. Uh, but let's, let's move on to this flying season, holiday season. It, it's a topic every year, what we've dealt with, um, Roger, I know you were flying quite a bit. Your schedule's been pretty jam-packed, but then we had like changes. As a Part 91 jet pilot with your private owners, were you flying mainly family to far-off destinations? Uh, I wouldn't even say far-off destinations, but yeah, it was primarily... Um, I don't think... I don't really even remember the last business trip I necessarily did. It was all more personal. Um, picking up before the holidays, dropping off back at the holidays. And then they've got, you know, some second homes and going up to the Tahoe area, which had feet upon feet upon feet of snow, which kind of made things a little bit exciting going up there. Um, and so we were going back and forth to there a couple times, yeah. which actually turned out to be Reno. Um, so yeah, it was actually a lot of shorter trips um, all around the holidays and new year's. Nothing. We never do anything too far. I did Chicago for one of the pickups, but other than that, a lot of it was shorter hops. Yeah. Reno, Salt Lake, and Chicago were pretty much my were the hubs for me. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you and know, there was a couple some airlining also for me, airlining to and from for for a couple places when uh -huh. planes got. So I was I was on the airlines a couple times as well. Yeah. So, and any uh, negative experiences uh, having to travel on the airlines this holiday? I, we did okay. Um, the only thing that we kind of had experience is we flew in, um, cause we were flying the 900. We actually flew in another guy cause we were kind of starting to train cause of some things going on within our operation. We were starting to train another guy. And so a second 900 pilot flew in and he was just coming Vegas to salt Lake. We had a 745. we'll just call it a van time. Um, to get to the airport and his flight was delayed, delayed, then canceled. He ended up not getting in until three o'clock in the morning. So that was, that didn't affect me, you know, personally, cause it wasn't me, but that was, you know, the other pilot for that trip. But other than that, it kind of like where you're talking about, that was de-ice scenarios up in Salt Lake and that, and plus the, the, uh, the illness factor, I guess is, yeah. has been affecting that, but that's the only thing that really directly impacted us, fortunately. Yeah, and I know our company has sent out over at Legacy uh, just a plethora of emails uh, with the CDC updated guidance, the five-day quarantine versus 14, uh, the symptoms to look out for, and basically what the company said, and you know it's been perused and written by lawyers many, many times over, it's all about liability. And what they want to do is remove the liability from the company and place it on the individual. So they've told us countless times in these emails, if you have any of these symptoms at all, headache, fatigue, um, you know, can't sleep, uh, you have congestion, you have a cough, you have anything, a fever, stay home. Any one of these, just call in sick, stay home. And what's happening is some air crews, uh, flight attendants and pilots and 
gate agents and whatnot, um, go, oh, well, they're telling me I got a headache today. I'm not going to work. I'm going to call in sick. You know, and there goes a four-day trip, uh, you know, or anything. And they go, oh, I'm, I'm fatigued. Well, yeah, it's the holiday season. Of course, you're fatigued. You're out shopping. But anyway, some people are taking advantage of the situation. And that's creating a domino effect of cancellations because lack of crews. Some airlines are, are getting hit a little bit worse. I have a friend over at Frontier, and she's a flight attendant. And I recently had a text message going back and forth, and she was feeling ill and she says yeah it's the the news media doesn't know about it the company's keeping it hush but she's like a huge percentage of our pilots and flight attendants are calling out sick and they are testing positive regardless of vaccines vaccine status so it's kind of like an outbreak within the company um and and that's the real reason behind a lot of their cancellations is a lack of staffing due to actual illness so there's both sides of this that's going around this this holiday season. Um, I know the news was reporting on cancellations. They were saying because of uh, weather and cancellations and staffing issues, and that's that's really what it's all about. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a challenge this year. Uh, hasn't affected legacy that much, but it's starting to. In the last few days, we start to see an uptick. Uh, United and Southwest kind of saw it first. Um, and, you know, the news media really reports on the mainline people before the majors. Um, so those discount carriers really are second uh, in terms of priority with the news on this kind of cancellation things. But, yeah, it's happening all over. But does that mean it's not safe to fly? Rob, what did you see this holiday? Uh, well, as far as um, customer loads, uh, we were full every, every flight pretty much. I mean within 90, 99% of uh, capacity on all of our flights. Um, the, uh, you know, talking with the crew, no, nobody, we didn't have any real major delays or cancellations in my schedule, thankfully, uh, other than a reassignment um, on New Year's Day, which, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a way to bring in the New Year's because, you know, we're talking about, contract renegotiations and some of those things are hot topics these days and you know <laughs> look what the company gives me for a <laughs> happy new year gift was a reassignment but um that was the day we had uh, you know the country was experiencing some really strong jet streams and uh there was a crew that had to fly from orlando to phoenix and what is normally what about a four-hour flight uh turned into almost a five-hour flight for them so they're they were supposed to turn around go up to seattle well that's another you know long flight altogether yeah. and that would have put them close to or over their their flying day mm -hmm. um federally, federally federally regulated flying day so since we were just going to uh from milwaukee to phoenix and then phoenix to tucson uh we were rescheduled to do the uh phoenix to a seattle leg yeah. so um anyway that was a premium trip so i didn't mind <laughs> yeah but uh anyway but you raise a good point with as... that with the far 117 which is the far yeah. that regulates airline flight crew rest requirements and flight time duty rest time flight duty periods yeah yep. so yep. um so that's that's they do that quite often especially in miami yeah. i don't know why miami i guess they just have longer legs out of miami but um yeah. I, i've noticed that 
that that happens quite often where you might be doing a short flight, but because the other crew was going to time out and they were no longer legal, they traded, they gave you their longer flight and they got right. your shorter flight. So now everybody's right. legal. The, the flights still go out on time, hopefully. Yeah. And so they have their completion factor. They have their yeah. on-time factor. But you need to be flexible. Yeah. And, and it depends and, who and you I, talk and to. I did, and I did kind of say, you know, that the country was experiencing a strong jet stream. But I don't, I don't think I said it out loud was the, uh, you know, they, they had a really, really stiff headwind getting to Phoenix. Mm. So that headwind, man, I, I think I saw... At one point, it was about 170 knots on the nose. Oh, wow. So, I mean, their ground speed, you know, going from west to east, I'm sorry, east to west, mm -hmm. was uh, close to 300 knots. I mean. Wow. That's nothing. I mean, yeah. That's slow. I mean, yeah, that's embarrassing slow. Right. <laughs> and a jetliner. <laughs> yeah. And, and something so. I heard in training many, many years ago was the jet stream is like Santa Claus. It is stronger <laughs> and further south in the wintertime, and it is yeah. weaker and further north by the pole in the mm. summertime. So, That's right. and the jet stream is the, the natural occurrence of upper level winds that travel from west to east on this part of the, uh, the globe, and we're always fighting it, and it's always factored into your flight time, but that's why going to Hawaii takes longer than coming back from Hawaii, perfect example. Um, and in the summertime, the flight time is close to equal going and coming. But in the wintertime, you know, you got to add an hour sometimes. And tomorrow, actually, I'll be doing the Phoenix to Honolulu. Mm. Um, nice. So, yeah, so that's going to be a long flight, yeah. uh, longer than usual. But, yeah, and, and I've seen some of these cancellations, too, uh, some of the weather issues. Uh, for the most part, everything was was going well. Uh, I had to fly during the Christmas break, and that just was my schedule. I didn't fight it or try to trip trade it. Um, I had a treat, though, and I, I just want to share that Christmas Day, after we got on the aircraft, we did our pre-flight checks. I came back from my pre-flight, sat down. The flight attendant, the number one flight attendant said, can I get you anything, a cup of coffee? And I said, sure, I'd love a cup of coffee. So I turned around. And I had four flight attendants and my captain singing happy birthday to me with a chocolate chip cookies and a cup of coffee on a tray. <laughs> so uh, my flight crew. Uh, that's nice of them. Yeah. Sang me happy birthday. It's my birthday on Christmas Day. So I celebrated yeah. my, I, dare I say, 47th uh, turn around the sun. <laughs> so still a baby. Uh, that's an old man, 47. <laughs> oh, my God. You're old. Um, but, yeah, I still have, you know. 18 years left in this profession unless they change that retirement age to 70, which I foresee before we get to retire. Um, mm. But yeah, so it, it sparked an interesting thought. And every year I see these posts, especially on uh, airline boards, Facebook pages, whatnot, that all these passengers that, that are the busiest travel time of the year, all these passengers getting to Nana's house for Christmas, going to see their grandkids, all this stuff. I know they're grateful, but sometimes they need to be reminded that the faces of your flight crew, to keep them in your thoughts while you're sitting there with your family, enjoying that time, the, the, the bond of, of that relationship, the moments you get to share, and the memories you get to make 
during the holiday season, during Christmas, during New Year's, just remember that somewhere out there, there's a pilot or a flight attendant sitting in a hotel room by themselves, away from their family, not by choice, but because it's their job and, and they need to pay the bills. And that's, it's tough. No matter how prepared you are for it, it's very tough to know that, yeah, you got FaceTime, you can, you, can, you can share a phone call, you can share a smile, but you're still not there and you're missing. You always have that feeling that you're missing out. So in your case, it was your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, my crew, I couldn't have asked for a, a more fantastic crew. So thank you to all of you. Yeah. Uh, Happy but, birthday. And thank you. Uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day was another trip for me. Um, that one was not so bad. Ended up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, home of one of our former uh, guests on the show, Nathan Day, from Flight 33, uh, in the fight of our lives, until we were talking about corona and the downturn of the industry at the time. Mm. Well, he's, I reached out to him. I said, hey, uh, I'm in Grand Rapids tonight. What's going on? I know you're probably doing stuff with your family. He's like, my wife and I and kids are at a hockey game downtown a block away from your hotel. Afterwards, let's grab a beer. So uh, Nathan, my captain, and I uh, went down to a brewery down there, uh, downtown uh, Grand Rapids, uh, and shared a beer and told some stories. Congratulations to Nate. He is currently in new hire class over at Legacy Airlines. He just finished his hey. in-dock. He has a couple of weeks off, and now he's going to go back to be, I believe it was a 737 FO. Uh, so he's going to get ready for his flight training for that. Awesome. So, yeah, congratulations, Nate. Congrats. Now, countdown to 2022. Have you made any vows? <laughs> Resolutions? <laughs> eh, resolutions get broken. Vows? Yeah. Vows? Uh, no vows. No vows? <laughs> Negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, I think we're too old and too wise to, to make resolutions. Yeah. You know, like, I promise. Survival? <laughs> yeah. yep. what about you what about you guys were you guys able to be home for the holidays and, and, and new year's eve uh i was home the rest of my family was gone they left the day after christmas and they went out to see their other grandparents their side of the family and so they were gone and they got back on new year's day i, I was flying and i re i you know this will it's exciting stuff. I, I got back from a trip and I was exhausted. I was asleep before 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Oh. <laughs> and then I woke up at midnight because there's a bunch of banging outside. And then I went back to sleep. Hey, you're exciting. Old. I know. Keep it down up there. You're riveting. Never... It was riveting. <laughs> Damn jerks. Wow. <laughs> well, that's yeah. really all I remember from it. I don't even remember where I had been. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably Reno. Well, Reno, hey. Reno or Chicago. Could have partied but, with them blue hairs down in the casino. Well, I, got back, like, I got back that <laughs> evening, and then I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. know. Exciting stuff. I know. Wow. Riveting. Yep. <laughs> I know. Rob, however, had a little bit of excitement. Let's, let's hear about that. Oh, it wasn't too bad. I, I, had a, I did have to work uh, over... Christmas and New Year's. Um, my Christmas trip actually started on uh, Christmas Eve, but it was late in the day. So uh, me and my family earlier 
Christmas Eve. We we celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. opening up presents and everything like that. And then I uh, headed out to work, and it was really a quick and easy one leg to Milwaukee. So oh. Dallas to Milwaukee. Spent the night in Milwaukee, and uh, it was the hotel was really nice and really generous. They had a full up um, dinner spread for all the air crew. Oh. Um, so uh, it was uh, delicious and, uh, you know, it's it totally unexpected because how many times have uh, have any of us been on the road during a major holiday like Thanksgiving, Christmas or anything like that? And you get to the hotel and there's nothing available. You know, the best meal you can uh, put together is a hot pocket from uh, some gas station <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> so um, it was a uh, it was a good tr- it was a good trip. Um that that trip uh, was a three day trip, Milwaukee, and I can't remember what the second overnight was. You know, it was forgetful. I think it was probably to, uh, Tulsa. But um, and then New Year's, um, I was in um, Seattle for uh, for that overnight, and um, nothing special about Seattle other than requiring vaccination cards and masks to go eat out. So that was kind of disappointing but and it was crazy because i uh the uh the hotel restaurant had a sign in the restaurant saying you know must provide proof of vaccination or you know negative covid test within 72 hours to eat here or you have to be a hotel guest oh okay <laughs> so if you're a hotel guest that's never been vaccinated you're okay yeah that's stupid so anyway uh that was uh, that was my <laughs> my trip. I didn't have too much weather to deal with. Uh, I haven't had the de-ice yet, which is nice. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I think the coldest the coldest trip I made so far was uh, was pretty much Milwaukee. Yeah. And um, I think it was in Madison for a trip too. That was pretty cold, but yeah, um, yeah that was it. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna get to uh, the de-icing procedures that I I went cool. through. Uh, it's been a while since I've gone through them, but we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit later in the show. What I yep. do want to talk about next is uh, w- there's a photo that uh, our union sent out to the legacy pilots in regards to an incident that happened in Salt Lake City uh, just a few yeah. days ago. Um, the photo really is quite shocking. It is a picture of a DoubleTree hotel van. On its side, on the side of the road, it was T-boned by, what was it, a Ford F-250 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It flipped the van on its side. Thankfully, all of our crew members that were on board were wearing a seatbelt, and no one was seriously injured. Now, this is not the first time I know I've heard, and Rob and, and Roger, we've all heard this before, about crew van accidents that happened you have you're you're putting your life in the hands of whoever the hotel has decided to hire to drive you back and forth and a lot of times it's an entry-level job um yes you're supposed to have a good clean driving record we've seen van drivers get pulled over and arrested because of outstanding warrants um yeah uh so when you are on a hotel van or any moving vehicle for that matter, please wear your seatbelt, especially when you're on the job. Because picture this, for no fault of yours or your van driver, you get T-boned in an intersection and there's an accident. What's the first thing the company lawyers are gonna ask? 
were the flight crew wearing their seatbelts? And if Mm -hmm. the answer is no, and you were injured and required hospitalization for whatever reason, broken arm, broken rib, whatever, do you think that the company is going to pay as easily? They might try to fight it a little bit and have you pay out of your own personal insurance. They can decline your medical claim. Exactly. Um, So for that reason alone... And, and I, I got to admit, I'm guilty. Sometimes you get on a hotel van, you know, you're sitting in the middle and you're like, well, that's fine. I don't need to wear it. Um, it's not a long drive. Whatever bull crap you tell yourself. Um, sometimes you get on a hotel van and there are no seatbelts. <laughs> or you get on a hotel van and there's one more person than there are seats. And they say to, oh, just sit on the floor. Let's just all get to the, let's just get there. Let's sit on the floor. Um, and my hat's off to those that say, nope, um, I will wait here and, and take a cab, take an Uber, or wait until you bring me another van. Um, because no seatbelt, no go. Yeah. Now, we've all heard the stories as well of uh, police officers uh, waiting on the side for the hotel vans to pull out. And they'll pull it over right away, open the back door, and take a look inside. And any crew member that's not wearing a seatbelt gets a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. And the yep. hotel's not responsible. The van's driver's not responsible. You are as the occupant of the, of the van. Uh, I remember this happening over at Sandpiper in Santa Barbara a few times. And we had flight crews that were just outrageously pissed off. They got a $180 ticket. They're like, wait a minute. I live in Texas. And the laws there are different. And the California Highway Patrol officers, I don't care. You're in California. You got to wear your seatbelt. So they gave a ticket to the first officer who wasn't, who was the only one not wearing a seatbelt. Um, I've heard of incidences in Toronto where the hotel van has a specific route. And every day they go the same route to the hotel. And on a particular day, instead of going that route, they pull off into this parking lot and there were troopers there. And they opened the door and anybody not wearing a seatbelt was getting a ticket. It was like a sting operation. And the hotel, yeah transportation service was in on it and it created a huge uprising um in in the airline uh that i was currently flying for at the time um or that i was flying for at the time so yeah it just click it or ticket so you don't get hurt <laughs> yeah now rob you saw the photos ha- have you yeah is it shocking or is it not surprising at all uh well i you know, it's one of those things. It's not if, it's when, you know, it, there's going to be an accident. And, um, you know, it, it, although the, that picture is kind of surprising because usually when you more accidents or, you know, minor fender benders or stuff like that. But, you know, this one, you know, the van's on its side, <laughs> which it means it was uh, hit with a, a lot of force or, you know, the van was tri- hit hard enough to be tripped over onto its side. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's quite alarming. Um, and you know, the seatbelts, you know, definitely are something that can, can save lives or prevent, you know, major injuries. Um, but I, I always wear my seatbelt. I mean, I always, you know, if there's a seatbelt available, I put it on. If there isn't, like you said, on some vans, they don't have them. And I think they're probably the bigger vehicles. I think there's a classification of a, you know, people transport, uh, you know, on, on wheels yeah. where they don't have to have seatbelts in the back or I, I don't know the whole thing about that, but if there's a seatbelt available, I do wear it. Uh, no questions asked. Cause yeah. 
of this exact situation here. You know, I just don't like to be in a moving vehicle without a seatbelt. So, yep. I mean, yeah, remember that <laughs> it's not just, you know, you, if you're driving or the van driver that's responsible, that, that your life depends on it's, it's all the other drivers out there too. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I think, kind of the big thing. It's not just yeah. you could have done nothing wrong. I mean, obviously, in this case, it sounds like somebody was probably very wrong. And for there to be a T-bone, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody made made a mistake. And whether it's you or the other or the other person, you can't stop what what that other guy's doing for whatever reason that it was, whether it's tired, drugs, alcohol, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Or no fault of your own. Yeah. Still, these bad things can still happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. So be careful out there. Wear your seatbelt. <laughs> so this next article, you know, I <laughs> I was kind of uh, pleasantly amused by. Uh, I read this uh, this headline and it caught my eye. You know, most aviation enthusiasts out there have seen the movie Catch Me If You Can. It's a 2002 American biographical crime film directed and produced by El Señor Steven Spielbergo, a very uh, prominent. Hollywood director, from a, a screenplay by Jeff Nathanson and starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, this film is based on an autobiography by Frank Abagnale, the main character, who allegedly, before his 19th birthday, succeeded to perform cons worth millions of dollars by posing as a Pan-American World Airways pilot, a Georgia doctor, and a Louisiana parish prosecutor though the truths of the story are very much in question. The idea that anyone could con the multitude of safeguards and government security protocols everyone must comply with in order to gain access to airport and airline operations, it is always surprising when we hear about a person that is able to cheat the system in this modern day of cybersecurity measures. From an article from viewfromthewing.com by Gary Leff, dated on January 4th, 2022, United Airlines, real life, catch me if you can. Welcome to Miami Mutual Bank. How may I help you? I'd like to cash this check here and then and I'd like to take you out for a steak dinner. <laughs> Are you real? I sure am, little lady. The jump seat is open. It's been a while since I've done this. Which one's the jump seat again? Which which one's the jump seat again? <laughs> I'm gonna use that line <laughs> next time I have to jump seat. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've done this. Which one's the jump seat again? Which one? Which one? <laughs> yeah, so in the 1970s, it was much easier to take on a new identity than it is today. Assume the name of someone who died young and didn't create much of a paper trail and won't be using it. Perhaps someone that didn't get a social security number when they were born. It is and it was much more common back then. Get a copy of their birth certificate, apply for a social security card, and voila. And we all knew kind of someone who did this in this film, Catch Me If You Can. Now, what's far more common is to create a synthetic identity. However, a man recently died who did it right when he did wrong. He robbed a bank and then took on a new identity. He cut ties with his former life, never told anyone until his deathbed, and didn't draw, onto a, didn't draw undue attention to himself. The article goes on to state, a United Airlines flight attendant living under an assumed name was recently caught. Airline cabin crew go through security checks, and this one applied 
and reapplied over the years for passports. That's what did him in. Ricardo Cesar Gudez was born in Brazil in 1972, but took on the name of William Erickson Ladd before 1974, who died in a car wreck at the age of four and obtained a passport. He shortened his name to Eric Ladd. He became a United Airlines flight attendant and worked for the airline for 23 years. In the meantime, he renewed his passport several times and obtained a U.S. residency permit for his partner since he was, of course, a citizen. However, He sought to have his passport renewed in 2020. A fraud alert was triggered. Investigators tracked down his real identity and questioned the mother of the real late Eric Ladd. That must have been a traumatic conversation for her. And since flight attendant Eric Ladd had to prove fingerprints to become a United flight attendant, authorities were able to compare those to the fingerprints in Brazil. Federal agents waited for him at the known crew member checkpoint in Houston, where he would be going to start a trip. And because he had gained access to what to that using a false identity, those were additional charges in addition to immigration-related ones. Side note, Texas Governor Abbott's wall wouldn't have kept him out. <laughs> why, well, why did they put that in there? I don't know. I don't know. Catch Me If You Can portrays the, the Frank Abagnale story, among other things, impersonating a Pan Am pilot. It's far easier to impersonate a flight attendant or at least impersonate someone who then gets hired and trained as a flight attendant. After more than two decades, Eric Ladd probably thought he was in the clear. Life lesson, if you're going to do this, stay away from government checks. Don't go into a career that requires them repeatedly. (laughs) (laughs) And this, again, an article uh, by Gary Leff from viewfromthewing.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. 20 years, though. I mean, geez. I mean, thank God our federal (laughs) government works at lightning speed because it's only been 20 years. I mean, somebody could retire, (sighs) you know, move to another country and collect and... (laughs) Hey, it's a well-oiled machine, our government. Yeah, okay. thank God they 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 got them though. Great yeah, I mean, and you know, but I, dude. I when I read that, I'm like, they caught him at the known. Can you imagine? I'm showing up to your trip. You're going through KCM, and they're like, yeah. oh, uh, step aside, sir. And there's FBI and everyone's sitting there, and you're like, <laughs> so Uh-oh. you think CBT. that they told the airline before that they were going to need to restaff that? That position? No. Probably not no. because they didn't want to get tipped off. Yeah. Well, I, well, I don't know what happened to him. He just to didn't him. show up. I did uh, see we're... a lot of hubbub yeah. back there at the KCM checkpoint. Hey, we're, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to need a, uh, a, a, what do you call it, a reserve to cover this flight. Can you wow, imagine that call? The other one. <laughs> yeah, crew scheduling. Yeah, yeah we're, down, we're down a flight attendant. <laughs> then, then you see about, you know, four or five other flight attendants turn around and go home. <laughs> <laughs> That program isn't going to work for me either. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> well, oh man, I don't know. That's nuts. You wanted yeah. to travel, I guess. You know, the lure yeah, was there. I'm just going through my head of all the, you know, I mean, that's just those federal ones with you know the passports. But for 20 years, I mean, that's 20 counts right there. And then, you know, who knows if he's investing and. Um, you know, all that other so stuff. He, I mean, there's just so he robbed like, a driver's bank. licenses and yeah, he robs a bank. He, he resumes a new identity or assumes a new identity. Where did that money go? 
Oh, by the way, yeah, he's gonna have to face <laughs> that charge too. <laughs> so was that in, was that here in Brazil? In Brazil? Oh, I think it was in Brazil. Yeah, it was in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm sure the Brazil's gonna be like, okay, let's extradite him after you guys take care of him. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's nuts. That guy's in big trouble. He's a genius. <laughs> Until he got caught. He'll be out on some technicality. You know, I'm sure well, Vice President or the President will pardon him for some stupid reason. <laughs> he was a contributor and he's a voter. <laughs> oh, God. Don't even go there. I'm going, I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going down the political hole. Yeah. We... <laughs> hoot, hoot. Warning. Warning. Yeah. Warning. Crazy. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick uh, break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that just cracks me up. <laughs> best of best. We'll make you better. We'll make you better. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the break. Well, we've been talking about uh, holiday travel, and we've been uh, discussing the uh, real-life catch-me-if-you-can scenario that has played out. But that's not the only thing United has been in the news for recently. Uh, They're actually taking pilot development to greater heights. Recently, uh, came across an article uh, that talks about United's Aviate Academy. And the first class started on December 6th in a new training facility in Phoenix, Arizona. This came from an article by United Airlines posted on a website called aerocrewnews.com. And it was dated January 1st of 2022. And of course, I'll have a link in the show notes. United Airlines announced on December 3rd, its inaugural class of 30 United Aviate Academy students began their studies on December 6th at the new Flight Training Academy at Phoenix's Goodyear Airport. The first class, 80% of whom are women or people of color, will complete a rigorous year-long training program that sets them up for a career that reflects United's high standards of professionalism and deep commitment to delivering a safe, caring, dependable, and efficient travel experience. United Aviate Academy received more than 7,500 applications from aspiring pilots around the country in less than six months, with nearly 75% of those applicants being women or people of color. After completing their training at the academy, students will build flight and leadership experience while working with Aviate Pilot Development Ecosystem Partners and universities, professional flight training organizations, and United Express carriers on their way to becoming United Pilots. They were quoted as saying, We are thrilled to welcome our first class of students to the Academy's new home at Phoenix Goodyear Airport, said Mary Ann Schaefer, United's chief pilot and member of the United Aviate Academic Board of Directors. The facility ensures we have the resources to expand our training capabilities and that the next generation of aviators will receive industry-leading training towards their goal of becoming a pilot for United Airlines. Following the inaugural class, United Aviate Academy anticipates welcoming between 25 and 50 new students each month and expects to train at least 500 students yearly, with a goal for at least half of those being women or people of color. 
United currently expects to hire at least 10,000 pilots by the year 2030. Wow. United Aviate Academy at Phoenix Goodyear Airport is a state-of-the-art 340,000-square-foot facility at the Goodyear Airport, which United Aviate Academy will lease from the city of Phoenix. It will provide aspiring pilots with industry-leading resources, equipment, and accommodations. The facility was previously home to Lufthansa's Aviation Training, or LAT. And United Aviate Academy will sublease part of its facility to LAT, a wholly owned subsidiary of Lufthansa, a United Star Alliance partner. So, pretty cool. The flight school has, uh, let's see here, late model Sirius SR-20 single-engine aircraft, which feature advanced safety characteristics, nearly 50,000 square feet of office space, multiple aircraft hangars, dorms for students, um, and student housing available, with ample room for expansion, and the proximity to many auxiliary airfields in the Phoenix area. Anybody that has done flight training in Phoenix knows there is a multitude of airports that uh, GA training is happening uh and favorable weather year-round for flight training that's why phoenix has traditionally held the the number one spot in the country for flight training because of the weather and because of the how many airports are in the phoenix metroplex so united has its own academy there you go yeah so to yep. learn more, uh, you can check out the article. I'll put a link in the show notes. Or go to the United website and see. They, they must have some kind of pilot recruitment link. And if I find it, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Yeah, sounds good, man. It looks like they're, uh, they're finally, I don't know if they're, I would say they're finally getting into the, uh, you know, the, the proven, um, you know, model of training your own pilots from the ground up. I mean, obviously Lufthansa has been doing it for a while. Cause I think when all of us were training in Phoenix, you know, Lufthansa had a, you know, had a training center there and, you know, those pilots go on to fly Lufthansa aircraft. And um, I think Sabina was another mm-hmm. big flight school um, up in Scottsdale, you know, so they train uh, pilots for their airlines and um, yeah, it just seems right that, I think, you know, obviously legacy has stuff going on now. They've been, they've had stuff going on for a while. Um, Delta had their own thing going on for a while. So just seems like United is finally catching up with that. And and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to have a lot of retirements coming up too. And just doing the math, you know, you said they're going to hire 10,000 pilots uh, in the next uh, eight years, how many years you said. So, Looks like that's that's about one thousand two hundred and fifty pilots over the next eight years. Um, yeah, one thousand two hundred and fifty a year for eight years. Yeah, yeah a yeah. year, yeah. right? So that's that's it's quite a bit. I think uh, Legacy was saying we want to do two thousand. Yeah. So it's it's gonna need a lot of pilots. <laughs> yep. Now is a great time to get into this industry because yeah. the opportunities are growing every single day in order to do this now you and i and and roger we all had to jump through uh, different hoops we all came up through the civilian ranks um it was a lot more expensive there was a lot less information out there uh 
a lot of it was hearsay and word of mouth. It was all about who you knew in order to, to get your app in somewhere and to get a letter of recommendation. Now it's a little bit more of, okay, here are these programs. All you got to do is apply to these programs. And next thing you know, you've got multiple offers uh, to, to get this education because there is a national shortage, if not a global shortage, for qualified aviators out there. And these programs make it real simple. All you have to do is show up, succeed, and you've got a job lined up waiting for you. And usually it's under contract. So don't get me wrong. If you go to United's uh, flight school here program at Goodyear, I'm sure somewhere in the fine print it says that if you don't uh, progress and move on to United that you have to pay them back some kind of monetary amount for the education that you received. So they, they generate loyalty from having these kind of programs, a loyalty that sometimes, if it's not there, can, can bite a regional. Uh, I remember when we were in recruiting for Sandpiper, uh, there was a huge need uh, with all the beginning of the flow through that people were going, all the senior pilots were going, flowing on to Legacy Airlines, and there were upgrading first officers after 12 months with the company. And so there was a huge need for first officers. So, you know, there, people would come over from other airlines. We would actually put recruitment tables out in front of other regionals' break rooms at airports. So we'd yeah. sit there in front of other regionals going, hey, come on over to, to uh, Sandpiper. I remember at one point they actually offered uh, a monetary value yeah. to flight time in a 121 environment. So if you had, let's say, 500 hours at uh, – you know, at, a, at a, another regional airline or airline for that matter, you know, they'd give you a certain amount of a bonus based on that 500 hours mm-hmm. um, to come on over to our airline. So, yeah. And I think they were hiring street captains too. Yeah. We, so if you were, I gave IOE to a few and you of those. 121, yeah. you come over and you go right into the left seat. Yep. And granted, you'd be junior, but hey, hey, building PIC time and you had a flow over to Legacy. So, right. Um, there's an advantage to it. Yeah. I remember that, that, that period of time when we were gouging other airlines in desperation for hiring qualified applicants. Yeah. Cause we were, as the training director once told me in, in a, a meeting, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel and we're having a hard time filling the seats yeah. with qualified applicants. And so yeah. these are the tactics that they were resorting to in order to try to get qualified applicants to come over. This program that United has developed, and some of the other airlines have also developed similar programs, but having a wholly owned flight training facility develops this contractual loyalty where, okay, we're going to get you the training you need through whatever program, scholarship, and in the end, you're going to be... Our, our the, only, the only thing I can see in it, and, you know, I think it applies for Roger's side of the uh, industry also is, you know, it, it's the culture needs to change, you know, at the top, because, uh, you know, if, you know, you, you, you've, you're not, if you're not having a, a good uh, quality of life or lifestyle or pay or whatever your measurements are, you know, that word gets out and, um, you know, it makes its way out into the public and, and downstream. And, um, you know, uh, if, if the people looking to get into this industry are just thinking about it and have, you know, other options, you know, they may reconsider. So, um, you know, yeah. these schools are great, but 
you know, it, it, it needs to be an overall encompassing um, change for things to happen. Yeah. Uh, to Because if you're going to get that many pilots, I mean, you're going to need, you know, quite a bit of applicants because you're going to have to weed out, you know, a lot of the, oh, I wouldn't say weaker ones, but the, you know, the ones that are just not cut out for the industry. Yeah. So you're going to have to hire a lot more than what you have on paper um, to make those numbers. And maybe they already factor that into that number, but um, you know, you know, if, if Rogers company is not doing so well with their quality of life and, you know, nobody's going to want to get into the corporate world, you know, and why would they even go train, you know, you're better off going to do, you know, watching a micro (laughs) commercial and figuring, you know, might want to go, you know, unclog toilets or something because <laughs> it pays more. And you, yeah. You're at home. <laughs> right. Right. On, on your birthday or on your, for Christmas, on holidays. You know? <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. So, so yeah, good luck. Uh, we'll keep be keeping an eye on the United's progress with their flight yeah. training. Um, and yeah, we'll bring you more as the information comes our way. Cool. As we're as we're wrapping it up here, just a couple more stories I would like to talk about if we have the time. Um, de-icing in Grand Rapids. So I haven't de-iced in a while. And, and over at Legacy Airlines, we have something on our tablet called the Hot App, Hold Over Time App. Fantastic. We used to use the Hold Over Time app even over at Sandpiper. Um, and it's been developed quite a bit. I haven't used it in a while. You know, I was re- researching it a little bit and studying up on it because it had been over a year since I had to de-ice. I've been very fortunate that I've just avoided this situation. Um, and man, you put in your nose number of the aircraft, the tail number, and you, it knows where you are. It uses yeah. the GPS from, from the tablet, knows where you are. It knows the ATIS information. Yep. So it just uploads that and it goes, okay, under current ATIS information, under the current weather conditions and temperature and, and, and precipitation factor, mm-hmm. this is the type of fluid that they use at that station. It knows. Yep, they know what And has, yep. you go through the checklist online here, configure the airplane, talk to the what we call the ice man or the person in the de-icing truck. We call him ice man. So we call him on the radio and go, okay, we're configured, ready for type one, type four. And they go, okay, commencing type one. So... They do the type one. Our situation was we were going to get out of Grand Rapids, but about an hour before the weather was starting to come in, they were expecting snowfall. Um, That didn't quite happen because when the inbound aircraft landed, they had a medical emergency on the ramp. A ramper had slipped and fell and hurt themselves to the point where they had to be transported to the local hospital. So all operations on that side of the terminal stopped. So they had airplanes that were waiting to be pushed off the gate. There were airplanes waiting out on the taxiway to come into the gate, and they had to clear the way because they had a medical, emergency medical personnel out on the, on the ramp. So once they transported that, that uh, sandpiper ramper uh, out, they were short uh, a staff member. Um, being a relatively small operation, they now had to really juggle to try to catch up. So it, we took yeah. about an hour delay coming out of there. Well, of course, what happened was it started to snow and snow mm. pretty, you know, pretty good. It's moderate snow. Uh, temperature uh, dew point was really close too, so visibility dropped down. About about a mile and a half visibility, and we got de-iced. We went through the process. The hot app 
walked us through the whole thing. It starts the timer for you. And, uh, and then we heard some of the CRJ operations say, well, uh, due to the current ATIS that you just posted, uh, we're no go. And we're like, oh. So we reviewed the ATIS. And, and it said in the hot app, when, once we uploaded the new ATIS, it said, okay, your hold over time requires that the first officer does a contamination check prior to takeoff, within five minutes of takeoff. For CRJs and regional operations, takeoff is prohibited. So for whatever reason, mainline could take off with a contamination check, and the regional partners could not. So they went back to the gate. They canceled. Uh, I think it was Frontier uh, that was right in front of us. They were able to taxi out and take off. And then we had to get sprayed after them, so we did. And what ended up happening was they closed the airport. And they closed the airport because they had to snowplow the runway because it was falling so much that they had to plow the runway. And so, so I was monitoring Iceman on one radio and monitoring ground control on the other radio. And I heard ground control call us and say, you know, legacy uh, flight, uh, how long before you're ready to take off? And they were just finishing with the type four process. And I said, well, they're just finishing with the de-icing maybe 20 minutes to get to the end of the runway, ready to go. And they're like, okay, airport's closed, but for you, when you get out there, you're going to be my last takeoff. And as soon as you take off, they're going to plow the runway. Are you okay with that? Captain's like, yeah, that's fine. We'll just take a look, make sure, you know, we have the conditions as prescribed. Uh, contamination depth of the runway is, is not more than allowed to be contaminated runway, which we had. Um, and so we, we got out there and I had to go back into the cabin. So we did the whole swap with the flight attendant. I had to go back to the cabin and I looked for somewhere around the emergency exit row, a black triangle that is on the side of the cabin wall. That black triangle indicates where the best view of the top of the wing is. So I looked out that window and what I was looking for is a green gelatinous film that was consistent throughout the entire surface of the wing. That's what type four is, at least the kill frost, whatever they were using, polar guard, something, something plus, whatever. So as long as that green film is there and it's gelatinous and it's not covered with snow or it's not shiny and clear, which means it would have slid off or no longer effective, as long as that is there, present, then contamination check would be good. We were good to, for takeoff because the de-icing is only good for the ground operations. Once you take off, all of that stuff, as soon as you're rolling down, by the time you get to 80 knots down the runway, all that stuff is gone. You no longer have it. So it's only there to melt whatever snow falls on it. And it only works for a certain period of time, dependent upon what the intensity of the freezing precipitation is. So I did the contamination check on both sides. Everything looked good. Walked back through the cabin. And we were in the air within five minutes. Um, wow. Once we got airborne, we heard the tower. We heard people holding in the pet, and they were like, "Oh, I, we heard Legacy's taking off. Uh, does that mean we, we can expect to be next?" And he's like, "No, the airport's still closed. They're just taking off, and as soon as they take off, we're going to plow the runway, and it's be about twenty minutes." So a lot of those planes that were holding over Grand Rapids ended up diverting. Mm. Uh, they just didn't have the fuel for that. Damn. Um, 
So we took off, and once we got up to cruise, Captain goes, yeah, the, that was probably the most snow I've ever taken off in. I'm like, what, really? Mind you, I spend a good part of 12 years at Sandpiper in and out of Chicago. Chicago. So 12 yeah. years of de-icing, and yeah. So I, yeah. it was definitely not even in my top 10, but um, right. when he said that, I was like, I'm surprised you have, what, 25 years at legacy airlines and he's yeah. like yeah he goes i've landed in snow worse than that but i've never yeah. actually taken off in snow worse than that i mean that was because right when we were taking off it started to really come down pretty good i'm like well there you go i'm glad i was here for your first <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and that's something i'm starting to notice myself i mean i don't know why uh it's so evident evidently clear now but um yeah, you know, like I said, I haven't de-iced yet. And, you know, if we were at if I was at Sandpiper, I'm quite confident I would have de-iced a handful of times by now, you know, if I was uh, you know, working and and then like you said, you know, since we're you know, we run that hub and spoke model, you'd you'd ping pong in and out of Chicago quite a bit and you'd see that de-ice and and snow stuff, you know, two or three times a day. And here, you're lucky if you see it once a trip, it seems like, yeah. you know, or not even. You know, I haven't even seen it yet. So um, I haven't even been anywhere we've, where it's been snowing. Um, I've seen snow on the ground, but <laughs> I know. Where's knock, that wood? Knock on, wood. knock on some wood. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and my next trip is taking me down into Mexico. So I'm quite confident I'm not going to see anything down there. So yeah. And Roger, have you had to do any kind of de-icing this season yet? We were in Salt Lake City that we did not de-ice. Um, it wasn't quite, we had gotten the plane, had been in the hangar when it actually had snowed a fair amount. And it was a little bit of snow, but like not enough to make it make yeah. it necessary to actually de-ice. But that, uh, that was the closest I've been. We don't usually de-ice all that often because we don't go, we just don't go into those kinds of places. And the places that we do go where that would be an issue, um, well, it just doesn't usually happen because yeah. they don't want to go into the weather, unlike the airlines where it's, you know, what's the weather? I don't know. We're going anyway. Yeah, we're going. Right. <laughs> right. That reminds me of a story, Roger. Uh, it was many, many, many moons ago before smartphones. And uh, I was in Chicago and they used to have multiple computer stations at each gate, uh, mainly so that the pilots could print out their 15-page... 20-page... Yeah, uh, release. Release. And weather information and NODAMs, because, you know, NODAMs are a bunch of garbage. And so uh, you would do that, and then you would go into the NOAA app and go to the, the Aviation Weather Services link, and you would check all your prog charts and your weather and your radar. And you can even print those out, and you could have that on the flight deck while you were flying, so you can kind of get an idea visually... Uh, for situational awareness of you know, where the weather is, so your flight plan, and you can kind of plan and coordinate with ATC and with dispatch. And I remember one day the, the captain was like, I'm going to go down and uh, get the airplane ready. Do me a favor, print out the release. I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem, Cap. So I went up there, and I'm printing out the release, and I'm checking the weather. I'm checking our route and see where the, the heavy precip is and, and the ice levels and all that stuff. So I, I hand them the release, and I handed out a couple of the printouts that I made of the weather. And I go, yeah, Captain, looks like uh, dispatch gave us a reroute. That should keep us uh, away from most of the uh, snowfall and the icing. Uh, so it looks like they did a good job with the route. Here's the extra fuel. Let's just make sure we get that. Here's the paperwork. He goes... 
you, you, you checked the radar? How the hell did you do that? I went up at the terminal. I went to NOAA website, the Aviation Weather Services. I printed out the charts so you could have an idea. And he goes, well, what the hell did you do that for? He goes, I never checked the radar. What the hell you checked that? They're going to make us go no matter what. Now you're going to freak. Now I'm going to be freaked out the whole flight, worried about the way. Don't ever check the way. You just go, man. You just go. They're yeah. going to make you go anyway. Uh, I'm with your captain on this one. I'm like, know, wait, man. wait what? Just think of, you're just going. I don't know. Just, just think about how much that has set you up for now. Right, Tony? Because now it's like. You know, you just you just had that snow situation where you're just you're just kind of like, ah, oh, you know, de-ice, whatever. Yeah. They're gonna plow the field. You know, maybe get a uh, a, um, a takeoff performance analysis. You know, mm -hmm. for the for the runway, and you're just gonna go. Where you know your captain's kind of like, oh my god, what's it saying? The OM, FOM, and yeah, and you know, oh yeah. my god, you know, we have they have to do this pre-contaminated takeoff check before we go, and da 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 da. And yeah. you're just like. I got it. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> We're good. Take care of it. You We're guys good. Overthink this way too much. I know. I know. Uh, you should fly with I some of our uh, our four stripers. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I haven't de-iced in ten years. Like, wait, what? Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even bring a jacket the, to the on the trip. You're like, really? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, dude, I got to punch out. All right, dude. Well, hey, you know, uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining us on ninety nine. Uh, good luck, yeah, man. and uh, we look forward to having you with us on show 100. I can't wait, man. I look forward to it. You guys take care. Have a good work week, and um, we'll see you on the uh, backside, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Take Thank care, you. Rob. Later. See Later. Well, we want to finish off today's show with an update on a story we first mentioned months ago. We're so excited to hear about 19-year-old Belgian pilot named Zara Rutherford, who set off on a journey at breaking a world record attempt to be the youngest female pilot to fly a small airplane solo around the world. Her journey started out on the 18th of August, 2021, in an attempt to inspire girls and young women to pursue their dreams. She has said that she wants to reduce the gender gap in aviation, as well as science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM. She is currently in Saudi Arabia, and today, is looking at getting real close to finishing her goal. And if the rest of her world record attempt continues on schedule, she will have successfully completed the attempt on the 13th of January, 2022, only days away. You can live track her from her website at www.flyzolo.com, F-L-Y-Z-O-L-O.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at fly.zolo. We are rooting for you at the Squawk Ident Podcast. Our hats off to you on this amazing adventure that you're on. And the airplane that Rutherford's flying is a Shark Arrow high-performance two-seat two -seat ultralight aircraft manufactured in Europe. It's been especially prepared for her long journey, and that plane can reach a cruising speed of 186 miles per hour. So she's actually moving around fairly quick. Yeah. Yeah, her she got delayed in in Russia actually because of weather. Yeah, I think it was Alaska and Russia, wasn't it? Yeah, Alaska, and and then when she got to Russia, she got delayed there. Um, currently, I've been following her on Instagram, and you know, 19 years old. I mean, that takes some balls, man. And she's been in, she's been on flight deck of small airplanes with her parents that are both pilots for quite some time. Um, her father, Sam Rutherford, 
He is her flight operations and sponsor. Uh, her mother, Beatrice DeSmet, uh, is also a former lawyer, holds a private pilot license, and has helped organizing many of the prepare to go endeavors. Um, she's also been a keen photographer. And for Fly Zolo, she is mainly in charge of photography, social media, and typically the EE manager or everything else manager. Uh, she also has many other members on her team. Uh, she has Megan Bowden, who is in charge of flight ops and her press officer. Megan is a commercial pilot. Together with Sam, she is running the flight operations side of Fly Zolo, as well as being the press officer. Megan has uh, been inspired by Zara's mission and hopes her trip will inspire many young minds. The communications officer is Jacket Lorecki. Uh, Jackick is an international communications and public relations expert with more than 20 years of experience in pharma and energy sectors. He advises Zara and her team on how to communicate her mission in a clear, entertaining, and inspiring way. He is also a private pilot and loves flying with his sons. Duncan Matthews is his, a flight safety consultant. He's taking care of uh, all the issues that may arise throughout this adventure. Uh, he's a former Royal Navy helicopter pilot, ship diver turned risk management and expert witness. He's an enthusiast GA pilot, flying a Tiger Moth for local thrills and planes with heating for transatlantic adventures and global explorations. And finally, Dimitrio, or Dimitru Marion. He is a content producer and videographer. He has uh, produced more than 17 years Three with Prepared to Go, filming planes and pilot adventures. He writes the visual side of the story, capturing moments, emotions, and the scenery to be enjoyed long after the propeller has stopped. A couple other uh, people that are helping out Zara would be Will Robinson, a flight instructor, and Arnie Von Bismarck, a sponsorship follow-up. Um, the Will is a flight instructor and airline pilot with a passion for training in aviation. He flies in the UK. At an airline, he conducts ferry flights and runs his own training organization, NG Aviation. And Arnie is uh, the man for everything. Photographer, videographer, snack provider, entertainer, bag carrier, sponsorship manager, and so much more. So she's got an entire team helping her out. Uh, you can go to her online store, support Zolo. Um, this, is, this is groundbreaking, and I am so inspired to see this young woman accomplished this and I mean inspiring young aviators around the world I look forward to uh, so maybe someday meeting up with her um, letting her know how much she's inspired us here at Squawk Ident and you can follow her journey like I said at fly.zolo or flyzolo.com that's luck to her it sounds like she's on the uh I guess what would kind of be considered the home stretch of that trip. She really is. Um, so far, uh, she she just arrived, actually. We've been live tracking her this morning. She just arrived in uh, Tabuk, Saudi Arabia. Uh, tomorrow, it's off to Alexandria in Egypt. And then the next... Actually, also tomorrow, uh, Herklon, Heraklon, Greece... And then Sofia, Bulgaria. Uh, the next day on the 10th, she'll be in Seneca, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Germany, and then Belgium. And that alarm, ladies and gentlemen, is it's time to wrap it up because I've got a van in 30 minutes. Oh, God, I hope I can get all this stuff packed away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been uh, fantastic. Show 100. 
the next one. Please email us your favorite episode, your favorite guest, clip, etc. There's still time. Just send us an email at aviatortony at gmail.com. That's A-V, the number eight, R-T-O-N-Y at gmail.com or at aviatortony.com. You can uh, send us uh, information and comments there, too. As our flight is drawing to an end, we'd like to thank all of you for coming along with on this journey with us. I want to thank Rob D. and Captain Roger for joining us today. Gentlemen, or at this point I can say, Roger, it's been a pleasure to share this time with you. And uh, we look forward to, to having you on the next one. Please help us in sharing this podcast online and with your friends. Be sure to subscribe or follow the Squawk Ident podcast on whatever platform you are listening to. We also love receiving listener feedback. You can send us an email or even audio feedback right from our website at aviatortony.com. That's Alpha Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar November Yankee.com. There you're going to find all kinds of things like audio archives, photos from the flight line, guestbook tab, our Squawk Ident pilot shop, where you can find an assortment of t shirts and hats and mugs and much more. If you like the pilot shop or you don't like the pilot shop, let me know. Give me some feedback. There was always time and and opportunity for me to improve that experience as well. You can also contribute to the show financially right there from the homepage. Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram users can find us under the Squawk Ident podcast or Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident. Also, one big final thank you to Rob D and Captain Roger for joining me today. And thank you to you taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators keep the dirty side down out there be safe and take care of each other bye everyone bye safe thanks again captain roger you bet and bye how's everyone doing
Johnson, you land. I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Do you know anything about planes? Fly this plane and land it. It's an entirely different kind of flying. flying. 